Welcome to Orion Valley. Hello, I'm Josh Wall, and frankly, I love movies. And today is a very special episode. Because for one thing, I can't scream because no one will hear me. I'm joined by film's very special guest, Matt Simmons, to talk about the 1979 Ridley Scott science fiction horror film, Alien. Welcome back, film lovers. It is season two of Frankly, I Love Movies. Great to have you here. And um, we're going to be doing something a little bit different uh, this time around. Uh, we wanted to do more of a kind of a laid back conversation. So we're still going to be talking about one movie. But from now on, we're going to be we're not going to be going scene for scene as a synopsis and then talk about analysis. Me and the guest will have just a general conversation about points that we like and why um, we love the movie and kind of get deeper into why we love the movies that we love. Um, and to kick off this journey, uh, the most um, frequent guest on Frankly, I Love Movies is here. Matt Simmons is here to talk about Ridley Scott's Alien. How you doing, bud? I'm great. You can't get rid of me. <laughs> no. I, I keep really... showing up. <laughs> I tell him not to come, and then he just comes I'm like, anyway. hey, I'm here. Uh, we're going to do one of these? Okay, great. <laughs> yeah. Um, so we've, we've been talking about Ridley Scott a lot recently. recently. I yeah. always like I always come like think of Ridley Scott as kind of a like a filmmaker who is... I don't really know what his specialty is. I feel like he jumps around. Yeah, he's been all over the place. And like recently, his filmography has been a little spotty. But overall, you know, you think of him as just a guy who really changed the scene in so many different ways in so many different movies. He has like, I don't, he just like jumps around from John. He's also one of those directors that's like, if it's a random like movie from like either like the 80s or the 90s, Ridley Scott probably directed Right, yeah. Looking through his filmography, there's movies like Legend, Black Rain, Matchstick Men. Uh, there, there's so many. I mean, yeah, obviously everyone, that nobody really talks about anymore, but mm-hmm. it's just interesting. Like, oh, he directed that too. Yeah, exactly. And and, I mean, I've always been a big fan of Alien and Blade Runner and, um, like, you know, Gladiator's, like, good, too. But, like, I don't know, like, I want to go through his movies more to kind of figure out what his style is. And I feel like... Yeah, I guess because of the, the, you know, the two big hits in the 70s and 80s with Alien and Blade Runner, people may more associate him with sci-fi. Mm-hmm. And because, you know, he went back to it recently with, you know, Prometheus, Alien Covenant. And The Martian. Yeah, and The Martian. Like, sci-fi does seem to be one of his strengths, but labeling him as only a sci-fi guy would be you know not smart to do because gladiator black hawk down like he's he's ventured into a lot of other territories yeah, and like and an american gangster and uh exodus gods and kings i mean not all of his movies are great yeah, he's I didn't done see that so one. <laughs> many movies like he, he sure has yeah um let's talk about alien oh yeah alien i mean it's one of the classics oh yeah absolutely and um i I first saw this, I think what I just, one of the things that I love about movies just in general is the first viewing, like, is I want it to be special. Like, I want it to be something that just is like, bam, here it is. This, uh, and there's a lot of times where I watch a movie where I was like, how have I not seen this before? And Alien is a textbook example for me because I watched it like last year for the first, the time, first time, very yeah. first time. I had only seen, I had seen the chestburster scene, but I had never sure. seen, um, I haven't. I still have not seen Aliens or other than oh. any of the other ones. Yeah, I know. Um, but I have you seen Prometheus and Alien? Oh, that, that, yeah. You've seen I've seen 
Prometheus and Alien okay. Covenant, but I haven't seen. Prometheus was actually the first. So I saw Prometheus when it came out, and I loved that, it. And that was before you'd seen yeah, Alien. Interesting. interesting. That actually, Prometheus was actually the first our real r-rated movie that i saw in theaters oh, cool. yeah. yeah well i remember because i went to go see jay edgar that r-rated clint eastwood right. Cap- yeah, yeah, movies. Yeah. And i told that to my stepdad before we went to go see prometheus and he's like yeah that doesn't count <laughs> prometheus is it doesn't count. Like, yeah. okay um and i i really liked prometheus i thought it was great it was disturbing yeah it was, like, crazy. it's a movie that gets a ton of hate like for some reason people just load that movie but i enjoy it i think it's a fun movie uh it, I will say after rewatching Alien this time, it made me realize that Prometheus follows a lot of the same story beats. That's what it's I, almost yeah. like you know when people compare Force Awakens to Star Wars, like they they're structured very similarly, but they are you know two different movies. Mm-hmm. Um, but it was just funny, like oh, it, the, Prometheus really kind of is just a remake of Alien almost. Yeah, I remember just rewatching it last night. There were a lot of things about Prometheus that came back because I still haven't seen it since I saw it in the theaters. But there's a lot of stuff. It's like oh yeah, this happens. This how it, yeah. Right, yeah. Um, but I and Alien Covenant too. Like I, I liked it. I like liked I, it. Yeah. I like both of those movies. I need to rewatch both of them. I think they're both just entertaining movies, and uh, I, I really liked uh, Alien Covenant's take on it with the whole dynamic of all the people in the ship were like partnered with someone else, like they had a significant other. Mm-hmm. I thought that was a cool dynamic to add. Um, I, I always forgot think, all about that. <laughs> yeah, I always think Michael Fassbender's great. Oh yeah, in everything, he's great in so, anything, even a bad movie. Like even a bad movie, he's still cool. Yeah, for um, sure. Um, when did you first see Alien? I first saw Alien, so my history with it started with, we always had the VHS of it, and I just, I remember seeing the front of it, and it was just Alien, you know, the name of it, so I knew what an alien was, obviously, as a kid, and it looked so cool, and I always wanted to watch it, but since it was R, and, you know, extremely, it uh, could have terrified me as a kid, my parents did not let me watch it for a while, obviously, Um, but then I finally was able to, I was probably, I don't know, 13 or 14, I imagine, uh, once once my parents finally let me watch it, and I was... I was so glad I finally got to see it because that movie is terrifying and awesome and I, I just fell in love with it immediately. All right. Are you a so are you are you a sci fi guy? Would I, I would say so, yeah. Mm-hmm. I like me some good sci fi. And I like me some good horror too. And yeah, I think, so like which well which one do you like better? Uh that's tough. I would say probably sci fi overall more. I go back and forth personally because like Cause I mean horror is just so inconsistent in general, unfortunately. I, I also feel like sci fi is pretty inconsistent. That's fair. Yeah. I think sci fi is more inconsistent than horror personally in the movies that I've seen. But I also like a lot of sci like i do love sci-fi still because i mean obviously everyone says it reflects kind of like our society like when the book when something was written or when it was made or whatever which i I do love but for me i mean we've talked about this so many times it's like horror it's either good or it's bad and when it's bad it's even better but like (laughs) sci-fi sometimes it's just like there's so many different genres and different like categories of sci-fi but sci-fi can certainly get convoluted very mm -hmm. quickly like sometimes people in an effort to make a more interesting story just make a confusing one and i think you see that yeah i think you see that more in sci-fi than other genres um but yeah i I can see where you're coming from with that so uh, but like for alien i i classify more as horror than a sci-fi if i'm being completely honest yeah well especially when i think about alien versus aliens i always say alien is the the horror thriller and then aliens is just like a more action film because you know james cameron it definitely has a more action spin to it Mm -hmm. um but yeah alien is i I, you know i'd still call it sci-fi horror obviously and i think it really was one of the first examples of it you know in popularity like in you know 
uh, sci-fi horror. And then from there, we saw more of that moving forward. It wasn't really as explored before Alien came along, I would say. Yeah. The mixing of the two. For sure. And this, I mean, this movie was made in 1979. It, it feels like an 80s movie. It me. does. I mean, yeah, tail end of the 90s. So yeah, it's yeah. almost like, yeah, it just might as well be an 80s movie. But For, for sure. And But like, it, there's so many good like old filmmaking techniques in there. And, you know. Yeah, like the, the visual effects for the time are, you know, still oh, outstanding. Yeah. I, I, I don't find many flaws with them, you know. Mm-hmm. For sure. Like the, like the practical effects, they all look good. I mean, it won for best visual it effects. It did. It they did. Yeah. Won three Oscars, I think. Definitely for the, that, that sound. And probably design, sound, sound design, both the sound category design yeah. i don't know something like that the big technical yeah design. the tech stuff we'll talk about the tech stuff uh in a little bit but um i've so it, i was always told to watch alien just all the time and it was like you got it was one day like it's a classic you got to see it certainly and i knew i wanted to because like the poster was always something that's just amazing like it's, it's one a of great the, poster one of and the best posters. one of the best tag oh yeah and i may be the best tag it's up know. there it's definitely if, up there yeah in but, space no one can hear you scream but like the, that's just yeah. iconic but the posters like and i saw the trailer too and the trailer's like super you know ambiguous and you right. don't really see anything but like the trailer's the egg and then it's like the sea of eggs and sure. it's just space and it's green it, it just like it grabs it's, you i mean it's like what the fuck is and that? it's a great poster because it doesn't give away too much you know mm. i think i find that a lot of modern posters give away so much with the poster and it's just like you know i guess it's uh the, the era of the painted poster unfortunately has gone away which i think is a shame because a good movie poster is like a real work of art and now i think they're so generic i, I mean mm-hmm. it's it's always special when you see a cool poster nowadays because it sticks out and yeah the alien poster that, again that's why when i would look at the vhs it was just there looking at me like look you want to watch this movie and yeah. i did and you know i was also just thinking i probably came across the like the xenomorph the first time when i went to disney and went on the great movie ride as a kid oh yeah i was probably like eight when that happened and my parents i think were a little tentative to take me on it because i know when they went with my sister when she was younger that ride like traumatized her because of the alien <laughs> part so they were like when, I, when it was my turn they were like i don't know can you handle this i'm like i'm fine mm-hmm. And looking back, like, and, I got it. And looking back, it's like, how, how could you be like traumatized? In the no, great it's so movie bad. Ride? Yeah. The Jaws ride was more scary uh, than the great movie ride. <laughs> yeah, it's a shame they it's both gone were now, pretty but bad. Yeah. No, the, the, the great movie ride had like a spirit to it. It did. It was it so did. just ridiculous, but like it was also just like it was it's classic. It's, you know? it's, yeah, it's a classic. Yeah, for sure. Um, but that, but like that's the one thing that always like first grabs me about like really any movie is um the either the poster or the trailer i mean obviously the trailer but the poster is just like bam mm-hmm. and then like it like sets the it, you get a sense of like the color scheme or just the tone or just and there's always a sense of uncertainty which right. again we'll talk about which is all over this movie um but it i need a good poster to really get me excited like instantly and but i feel like now it's like everyone's just it, they just look so photoshopped like i mean everyone talks about the spider-man posters for being like really really bad like the Ooh. homecoming poster oh yeah like, it, like, it's it just, just kind of like let's throw everything on here mm-hmm. boom like and like people, yeah um yeah the, a lot of the superhero posters are all unfortunately the same i liked uh i saw a thing once that compared a bunch of different movie posters and they talked about how with animated movies so many of them do this running at the camera poster where all the characters are like running towards the like the incredibles do it uh <laughs> yeah. Mo- monsters versus aliens did it mm-hmm. uh you know all these movies do the exact same poster and if you put them all side to side they do look like carbon copies which is really unfortunate because yeah i, I just did like a dive because of a reddit post i saw about the this one guy who who did so many of those painted posters like back to the future raise the lost ark all those ones from like the 70s 80s and i don't remember the guy's name off the top of my head and i think he still does work periodically but like yeah unfortunately it seems like that era is over mm-hmm. and it's just more about 
commercialized posters and making them just like instantly like recognizable yeah, like, or yeah, something. Yeah, like show as much from the movie as you can see, so people go, "Oh, I want to see that. It's mm-hmm. got all this in it." You know, yeah. whereas like I always love the the Disney posters from the Disney Renaissance. They were all so subtle and beautiful, and uh, I, I you know I, I miss that. Yeah, and kinda... al- al- the alien poster is definitely I would say like top 20 oh, movie, it's up movie there. posters ever yeah and the tagline that. i would yeah. say is top 10 oh yeah for sure um they they just did so well and so with the like the marketing um but so i have a question for you and hit let's me. see if you can answer this was this movie a hit uh what are we classifying as a hit so like, box mean, office wise box office returns do you think this movie made back its budget or was a, a financial success i think it was moderately successful for the time uh i don't know about inflation and all that but i'm pretty sure it did okay for you know 79 i mean clearly you know they went on and made a whole series out of it so i think i think it did a good job so on a budget of 11 million dollars opening weekend it made in the u.s made 101 million dollars um, oh really? The total gross worldwide two hundred and three million dollars. So yes, yeah, I'd say for yeah. seventy nine, that's a good return. Mm-hmm. I don't know about you know inflation wise what numbers those crank out to, but I'd say that's pretty dang good for the time. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, exactly. Um, and but like, was this movie that that this leads me into my next question? Was this movie instantly memorable for you? Like, did you want to come back to? Oh, it? um, actually, I was thinking about that. I would say it's it lacks rewatchability comparing it to aliens in terms of just like being able to watch it over and over because of its i guess claustrophobic horror nature but i still definitely think it's a movie that once you see once you're like holy hell i'm gonna be watching this like you know periodically for years to come Mm -hmm. you know it's it's just such a gripping movie and it's the kind of movie that once you've seen it once you can jump in wherever and be like oh yeah this part and like you know it's got a lot of classic memorable scenes and uh yeah yeah it's i I, again i don't think it's maybe as rewatchable as aliens um but it's still it's great so you like aliens more no i would say i still like alien more because for me i don't consider rewatchability as important as others do it's definitely an important factor when weighing movies but there's some movies out there that like i don't ever want to watch again but i still like you know uh-huh. yeah um so yeah I, I would say overall i probably like alien more but aliens is still great too that actually i wasn't i didn't think about this but that's kind of an interesting question uh like is a movie like do you like a movie more when it's like a better movie or when it's more rewatchable depends like, on what i'm going for it's you true, know yeah it's like, like the example I always cite for the most rewatchable movie is Ocean's Eleven, and I could watch that movie again and again and again, but I probably wouldn't put it in like my top 30, you know? Like, it's a fun movie, and it's so rewatchable, but, you know, it, it's pretty basic when it comes down to the story structure, and it's just like uh, the one of the best examples of a heist movie, but overall, yeah, sometimes I want something that's maybe a little more explorative, a little more dark, and those movies may not call you back as many times, like, say, Seven, Requiem for a Dream, but it doesn't mean they're not good or yeah, you know, even phenomenal. For sure. I think it's like, I mean, rewatchability has so many different like meanings to it. Like when coming back to something, sometimes it's like, I want to have that fun experience again. And other times with certain movies, it's like, I want to go back and find something new. Yeah. You know, like make an A24 movie or something. Or like with this movie, I felt like I found something. Because when I first saw it, it was instantly like, 
wow, like I said, why have I not seen this? Right. And coming back and rewatching it now, it's like, oh my god, there were so many things that happened that I like I forgot about. And right. Like, it, there's so like I'm, it's almost like a rediscovery. I think it was definitely great coming back to it and seeing who is in it because when I was younger, I knew who Sigourney Weaver was, but then the rest of the cast I wasn't familiar with them. But now going back and being like, oh, Ian Holm, you know, now mm-hmm. I've seen Lord of the Rings and I know who that is, and oh, uh, Henry Dean Stanton or uh, Harry Dean Stanton. Harry Dean Stanton. Yeah. <laughs> Harry Dean Stanton and uh, rest in peace. And uh, who else is in that bad boy? Tom Skerritt. Tom Skerritt. And- he looks so young. Mm-hmm. My God. Um, let, okay, actually, now that you talk about that, let's lead into the actual movie. Let's start. Uh, the acting in this movie is, God damn, it's, it's so great. good. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, for, across the board. Um, the only one that maybe sometimes she's a little whiny is Veronica Cartwright. She's, she's Lambert. Yeah. She's yeah. a little, she's does some good acting and her scream during the chest burst scene is obviously iconic, but sometimes you wonder if she's a little like too much, but it, it's still some good acting. It's kind of a, it's kind of a classic example of the seventies or eighties like person in uh, like in a scary situation who just kind of screams and you're cries like, oh, that entire time. It's like, oh my God, you're not doing anything. Shut up. Yeah. It's kind of like that the entire time. Like, I mean, we get a little characterization of her in the beginning, but like, it's like, okay, she's good at her job. She knows what she's doing. But like, other than that, like, not really. Uh, but that's another thing. Like, I love the characters in this movie. Too. Yeah. They're all like, even though we don't get a ton of fleshing out from any of them, like, we don't get a lot of backstory. Uh, they're still very memorable. Like, Harry Dean Stan's character is like this, uh, I don't know, he's kind of like the mechanic of the ship or whatever, and he's like this gruff guy, you know, and then uh, you got... Um, Him and Yafet Koto are my yes. two favorites. Yeah, I he's great in the film. Parker and uh, what's oh, what's Harry Dean Stanton's character's name? Brett. Yeah. Brett and Parker are fantastic because they have this, like, because they work together, so they have great, you know, chemistry of back and forth, but... Um, yeah. And obviously, you mean Ripley is the iconic. Um, yeah, character. like a movie that uh, for its time when female protagonists were not the norm, for her to be the sole survivor and kicking butt was so important for everything. And Ripley still remains one of the, just the best movie characters ever. Yeah. Of course, you know, she gets to be fleshed out in later movies, but uh yeah she she's just a great character and sigourney's phenomenal and she and they feel like real people too like when they first wake up by the way the opening of this movie is fantastic just instantly gripping with like this pan of saturn and the title slowly coming in like piece by piece yeah it's just there's like a total sense i mean that's what i think Ridley Scott does really well with this movie's atmosphere. Mm-hmm. The score um, is great too. Oh, J- yeah. Jerry Goldsmith. It's a really like ethereal, creepy. Like you know, it's a horror movie right at the bat. If you it, thought it was just a sci-fi, yeah. Immediately with the opening, you're like, oh, this movie's going to be scary. It feels like it. Also feels like it constantly like when the cameras movie, you're creeping around corners. Right. It's kind of like a place you feel like they you're not do supposed that to with be. a lot. Ridley does it a lot. A lot of shots in the film are very like you know creepy and like feels like you're you're on edge the whole time you know Mm -hmm. creeping around corners going down hallways in the dark and yeah it's terrifying but like as soon as they wake up i mean like there's that quick shot of like uh john hurt when he wakes up and and it's like the constant cross dissolves of different angles from it yeah. feels like he's like there's a big theme of rebirth in this movie that like you know he wakes up and is like now a new kind of thing and uh like they're we see that a lot also in Prometheus. I feel like that's kind of like what they were yeah. going for, like the birth of man or something sure, like that. Sure, sure, yeah. Um, that maybe that's like a constant theme throughout all of the alien movies because I feel like it's like the birth of a new species, the, now the apex predator. Right, right. And Which, it's like man's will to survive, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah, that kind of thing. 
for sure. Um, but like when they first wake up and they're sitting around the table, it's like you just get a sense of feeling that they're like real people because it's like they're having real conversations. It doesn't feel fake. And they're like, you know, they're eating so much because they haven't like they've been asleep for like, I don't know, like 10 months or something right, like that yeah. for so long. And like I, I'm instantly into it. Like I'm instantly just like, all right, these people are great. You know, I'm I. And I think that's something that they did really well in all the other films, too, is like this idea of camaraderie with the teams. Aliens has it. Prometheus has it. Alien Covenant has it. All the, like these teams interacting with each other. And just that dynamic is something that I think keeps me coming back to all these films. Even if, you know, people may not like Prometheus and Alien Covenant, I still think that dynamic is one thing that I just love about them. You I know? feel like that's the thing you have to get right with the Alien movies. Sense of a good team. Like, yeah. As much as I do like, I liked Prometheus. I don't remember a whole lot about the team other than, sure. than like Idris Elba was in it. Charlize Theron, uh, Logan Marshall Green. He was in that movie, yeah, wasn't he's, he? <laughs> he's the one that gets infected, I believe. Yeah. Well, oh wait, no, you're right. Yeah. Oh shit. Who was the other guy? Well, was he one of the stupid ones? He was one of the dumb ones. Okay. The two guys that like go in, they're like looking at the egg. Yeah, yeah, idiots. I mean, honestly, in this movie too, a lot of the characters are pretty dumb as well. Um, well, I think I think John Hurt's character. Is yeah, pretty stupid. he's the dumb one for just like going in there, and being like, "Oh, what we got here?" Like, not even thinking to be cautious at all. Mm-hmm. Like, he's just like, "Oh," and no one went with him. Right. Yeah, but like, I will say that scene is really great too, because like, I I don't know if you're familiar who, with who H.R. Geiger is. Um, he's a um, he's a production artist. He did a lot of he did all like the production drawings. He won for best visual effects because he did all the effects drawings and the production drawings and the designs sure. for this movie. But he also did all the supposed designs for um, uh, Jodorowsky's Dune. Okay. The the, the, the failed the adaptation, yeah, yeah. which is if you wa- look at his drawings, they're like scary. Mm-hmm. They're like horrifying, and they're so good though. They're so detailed and. Um, you see it like that wide shot of the circular ship sure. and seeing Prometheus. It's like, oh, I know what that is yeah, now. Yeah, that's um, why I come back to I'm like, oh, Prometheus really did harken back to a lot of this mm-hmm. film, didn't it? Yeah. And also the sets look really good too. Like For you, sure. Like when they're in that ship, like the design of the, uh, I forget what the name of that alien creature from Prometheus is, but him there with like the stuff around him, like on mm-hmm. the ship and just the way the eggs look in the field of mist, like everything is very yeah. cool. Maybe a little bit late to say this, but um, if you haven't seen uh, Alien, the basic synopsis of it is a group of seven um, engineers on a spaceship known as the... um Nostromo. Nostromo. um, Are are awoken from hypersleep by their... um, uh, artificial intelligent leader mother when they uh, receive a distress signal um, from a distant planet and they go down and their spaceship is then infected by an unknown um, alien-like entity and, you know, horror um, then horror in- ensues. <laughs> indeed. Um, but, like, as soon as, like, you know, they get down and, like, when they get out of the ship and, like, the storm's going on. Yeah. Like, outside, like, it's, that was one of my favorite scenes because it cuts back from... Uh, from them going outside to Ash in the chair, and he's like, he's like, yeah, come on. And you could see he's like actually scared. Sure. And the sound design is really good because it's like, yeah, yeah, it's so good. So the back and forth of it is very cool. Yeah, yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. And that that was one thing that I wrote down at that point because um, I'm already I'm already intrigued by the story, right? And I just was like blown away by how good all of the technical aspects were. The cinematography looks great. The score is great. The sound design is great. Production design. It's the one thing that I really take away from this movie is that it, it's a perfect example of when there's a care and passion in um, 
both the technical aspects and the story aspects. It's like an all around thing where everyone is put. It seems like they're putting in a hundred percent, and so many creative ideas are. Going yeah, this movie it. like definitely holds up in essentially every regard, mm-hmm. and it's incredible that it can do that still because it's yeah forty years old this weekend, right? Yeah, just uh, we're recording this on June twentieth, and on June twenty second, it is the fortieth anniversary. And I honestly, it doesn't feel like it's forty years old. No, it doesn't. It doesn't. Yeah, it's incredible to think that. It's clear that like there's a lot of old school techniques um, in the shots and how they move. Like there's a scene from. Uh, after Ridley and Ash have their conversation about letting in uh, uh, Kane again, and when Ash leaves the room, the camera just like follows out, like dollies out. It just moves. It's like no, that wouldn't happen. Right? It yeah. really wouldn't. Like, there's a lot of really good shots of like it's still, or it's like that's you know like on a dolly. Like everything is just it just feels like it's so smooth and it cuts together so well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's fantastic. All right, I just want to take a really quick break in the conversation to talk about Dingles and Donuts, um, Orion Valley Productions' very own Real Play D&D podcast. It's a big time for us. This week we are starting our Season 2 finale. It is a three-part finale. The first part will be out July 18th, which if you're listening to this, we'll release this on July 16th. So in two days you can go check it out. The week after that, on July 25th, will be a Part 2. And then the last part is going to be released on August 1st. You can listen to that on iTunes, um, Spotify. You can also see it on YouTube or our website, orionvalleyproductions.com. And be sure to go follow at Dingles Podcast on Twitter. Follow the page on uh, Facebook, Dingles and Donuts, and follow all of your favorite Dingles on their own personal social media stuff for some fun, kooky updates that are full of ridiculousness and most likely typos. I'm definitely guilty of that myself. So yeah, First episode of the season two finale of Dingles and Donuts premieres July 18th. As someone who was a part of it, I can say that it was absolutely bonkers, and it's going to be a blast to listen to. I can't wait for you guys to hear it. So mark your calendars. July 18th for the first part, July 25th for the second part, August 1st for the third part, and the finale ending season two of Dingles and Donuts. Go check it out. All right, back to Matt. So okay, we were talking a lot about a lot about the team and how that like draws people in to this movie here. Um, it, is it better? Like, does it af- like is that the main point of Alien for you? Like, do you go in like this is a like the team is what like keeps together? Or I guess in let me rephrase that. In movies in general, do you think that a team dynamic will draw you in better, or just a good character dynamic in general, like one or two people, or is it the team that really brings you? In? Like, if this movie was only about one or two people, would it be the same? Do you think? I mean, well, what's interesting about this movie is it does seem that the main takeaway is that Ripley is a badass by herself, and I think that's what we associate with Alien a lot. Is that like? she's just such a powerful character in her own right. So I guess in that regard, the single character might be important to build from, but in a lot of cases, the team dynamic is very important to get right because we've all, you know, everyone watching a movie has been on a team of some sort, sport team, you know, marching band for us, whatever it could be. Uh, so you understand immediately like what like friendship can be like with this, you know, team. And so it impacts the emotional resonance of the film because when these characters are getting picked off, they're losing a family member almost because they've been together on this journey for, you know, who knows how long, you know, Mm. and so I think this movie is able to balance the two 
you know, create this team dynamic, but then also just really write some great character work for Ridley and uh, Ripley, rather. I don't mm-hmm. know why I said Ridley. Because uh, Ridley Scott. Yeah, yeah, yeah mm-hmm. I guess. Uh, uh, Ripley. And yeah, in, in doing so, creating one of the most iconic characters of all time. What I love about her is that she has the clear moral quandary when the group comes back to the ship and if she should let Kane in she, or and not. She, yeah. she like, does this not want no. to, which is obviously the right thing to do. And the only reason, obviously, it doesn't because... You know, uh, you know, uh, Ash ashes lets them in. Yeah, ulterior motives, as we later learn. They all have cool names too. They do, yeah. yeah. There's Ash, Kane, Lambert, Parker, uh, Brett, Dallas, Ripley, and uh, the cat's Jones. That's cat important. Is Jones, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Always love when a when a cat sidekick is in. The yeah, movie. yeah, Jonesy. <clears throat> Excuse me. Um, a lot of really great scenes. Um, in this movie. Oh, totally. It's, it's like. You were just talking about like when they send Kane through the airlock. I think that's like such a good like this is like fifteen minutes where Kane comes back. They're examining the the face sucker thing, which is horrifying. Oh, it's so cool when they're like about to like remove it. And it tightens on his mm-hmm. neck. Just yeah. the visual of that, like it, it like yeah. And you're like, oh my god, oh. okay. And then like it bleeds acid, and then they have to go chase that. And then Kane comes back and he's okay. Which, this is the part where they're just flat out dumb. That they don't still quarantine him. They're like, let's just have dinner with him around the table. Like, what are you doing? Yeah, (laughs) yeah, it's definitely one where it's like, I feel like you were just talking about, like, you have to put him in quarantine. But then they were like, oh, we're going to have one last meal with him. It's like, no, do it now. Like, why don't you wait? Like, really? Um, But, I mean, they have to have the iconic chest. uh, Yeah, one of the most iconic scenes in any movie ever absolutely i mean it's it's so it's been parodied to death i mean now, the best parody yeah. of it is in space oh sure john hello hurt. my baby hello my. <laughs> but john hurt literally comes back and yeah. is like oh not no again. not again <laughs> <laughs> but like and all the way through and then they have that moment of silence for him when they send him out sure. the airlock it's just so like classic it's just it, it like constantly constantly moving it like i would say probably the first like 10 maybe 15 minutes are a little slow but then once they descend mm-hmm. to the planet it's like just constantly moving and yeah. you're, you're captured your attention's captured the entire time oh yeah uh and it's almost like it one thing i do love also about this movie is that it feels real and that's not necessarily a main selling point for a movie like in general i don't need to feel like it has to be real because like um but this feels like um it feels like something like this is plausible in in that nothing feels so out of left field like it's completely otherworldly like it feels like it's something i this exact um scenario i guess obviously wouldn't happen but it feels like something like if we were in that situation everything that would happen seemed like it would happen yeah it's definitely a very grounded movie in that even though it's in the sci-fi realm with an alien we have no experience with that it still feels like these are real human characters acting like real people would yeah exactly so that so uh, that's a question i want to pose is should that be a main selling point of a movie um is it better that a movie feels real or should we keep to the thing where um, movies are kind of an escape from real life? Yeah, that is a difficult question. I think it really depends on the situation. Obviously, movies can be more resonant when they're true to life. And in a lot of cases, even in these sci-fi fantasy movies where you know there is a break from reality, the characters being r- real people can really help 
you know, an audience member connect more. But sometimes, yeah, with with sci-fi and with fantasy, we want that break from reality. So it kind of gets annoying when people are nitpicky about like, you know, can't you just like sit back and enjoy this movie mm-hmm. and like not like this is a fantasy movie. It doesn't not everything. Like, there's dragons in this movie, for I don't know any some movie. <laughs> like, why are you questioning it? You know that sort of thing. But it does feel really cool when a movie can be both. You know, like yeah, something that we can't experience on Earth. And so it's escapism in that regard, but we still understand the characters because at the end of the day, I think the characters creating compelling, relatable characters is uh, something a movie really needs to do. And also it seems like they really push you to the scare, to your scare limit, especially Ooh. for me. Cause like the scares in this movie they're, are they're super good. genuine. They're really, really good. And the, what I love is the one, like one time where I was like, oh, that's a jump scare. That's dumb. Like when the thing falls through the ceiling yeah. and Dallas is like, oh, I'm sorry. But then it's followed by an actual scare where the face fucker like actually does pop out. The face what now? The face sucker. Isn't that it cool? sounded like he said something else. Oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> um, and, um, but like it, each scare like it gets you it's not it doesn't seem like it's fake or like that example if it's fake it leads to something else because yeah. it puts you on edge because the movie knows like it sets up like you're already like like glued. some yeah the whole mm. part with uh um harry dean stan's character when he's like trying to find the cat like you know it's not mm. gonna go well for him you're oh like, yeah you're like just give it to me movie yeah but i it know keeps, it's coming. it keeps going it's like room to room yeah to the room. build is like so you're on edge because you know it's coming you're like okay come on yeah, come on, I'll just hit yeah. me with it. In the director's cut, which I originally watched, there's a shot where it like cuts up and the xenomorph is like hanging from the ceiling with um with the change. But in the in the theatrical release, which I watched last night, uh, it doesn't have that. And I was actually kind of looking for that because that shot is okay. just so good. Like that's the one thing that I remember. How different are the two? I don't I didn't see that much of a difference. Maybe I just watched like I don't even know which one I've watched then. Well, the director's I think I remember cons- that shot, so I must have seen the director's, yeah. But also, like, I felt, like, uh, so on Amazon Prime, it says the director's cut is two and a half hours when the director's cut that I watched was just two, like, the regular huh. movie. So, like, I don't know. I don't know, but I remember that They're shot. They're always doing this with Ridley's movies. Fucking They're, like, they, five different, yeah. Blade Runner has, like, five different cuts. This, it's like, yeah. which one's the right one? Yeah, I don't anyway. know. But um, the, going back to kind of uh, the question at first that the scares they feel real and it's also like it kind of i was thinking like what if i was faced with something that was unknown or like something that seems like it could be a potential harm like not necessarily a xenomorph but like what if like i don't know like the most extreme example like a bear or something like that <laughs> <laughs> it was just like it just feels like it would be so real and it puts like real scares in my head and it's like should movies be like uh, like movies are supposed to be an escape but i think it's effective for this movie because it's like it's the worst case scenario, but it's also it just makes it so much more interesting to keep coming back to it to watch it. And it's definitely just like, I, like I don't know. It's almost like torturing yourself in some way. Cause like, yeah, it just, I can see that. Yeah. yeah. Um, but I, I mean, it definitely depends on the situation if it should be more real. Cause I mean, everyone talks about like Manchester by, by the sea being like super like real or like real feeling. Right. But like, I feel like this movie is like kind of no different in, in that sense and that, like the dialogue isn't super over the top or crazy. It feels very natural. Decisions don't feel like they're being too pushed or forced. Um, other than when Ripley goes, "We gotta blow up the ship," like just out of nowhere. But I mean, right. it makes sense. But like, I don't know. It just feels everything in this movie just feels like it naturally progresses. Yeah, I I completely agree, and I think that's why it's so highly regarded is because it, it it's able to balance those two things. You know, being able to be a cool sci-fi journey with a 
scary alien, but then also having real human characters that you can go, oh, I understand why they're making these decisions. Like, Mm -hmm. I think I would do that too in this case. And also, like, I love that there's, this isn't the only conflict. And then there's also, like, the the conflict with Ash and, like, in between the group and, like, what they should do. Should they do this? And then, like, no one, and, like, Ripley doesn't trust It's a cool plot twist, you know? You're, You're already suspicious of ash the whole time like he's even in a different uniform he's kind of acting a little suspicious then of course he lets kane in so you're already like okay why'd you do that mm-hmm. and then he he's suspicious and then obviously the reveal of oh the mission directive told him to to bring this uh xenomorph back for like examination and whatnot and all the other crew members were expendable and uh, I love Sigourney's acting when she finds it out, and she's just like so defeated. Like mm-hmm. it's that moment of realizing, like, wow, so I'm I'm nothing to these people anymore. Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. Like, yeah, and and also it just seems like, and there's also that like decision of what should we do, where do we go, and like, do we uh, like leave, like do do we go and kill it, like what are we supposed to do, like, right. like push it off to the side, and Dallas goes into the the air vent great scene when he yeah, when yeah, Tom yeah. Scarrett's like looking around, and also that's a good thing this movie does because you kind of think like I think Tom Scarrett at this point I think he was at least like an established actor, yeah, and it almost seems like he's the lead character. Yeah. Like when they, in during the intro, he's the first name that comes up, which would make you assume he's top build. And I mean, he's like the captain of the ship. Right. Um, but like he's going around and like, it like keeps moving and they have like this tracker thing. And, um, it, 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 it just feels so confined. I mean, this whole movie feels confined because it's like it's in space and the ship, as big as it is, it just seems all of the spaces are pretty small. It almost seems like it's a place you're always ducking. It's, like, yeah, it's a very claustrophobic mm-hmm. setting because the yeah, basically the entire movie takes place in this ship and you never feel like, like it's almost like you can't catch a breath because the alien could be anywhere yeah. because it's so confined. And I love that like that scene in the rap, like in the rafters keeps going and going and then finally it ends with the xenomorph just popping Bah, and yeah. we don't even see anything after that. No. There's so much uncertainty. Yeah, it's like, in that regard, it almost reminds me of like Jaws and that like we don't see it all that much, probably uh-huh. because of cer- certain technical limitations, but the ability to still induce horror while not being like while not showing it as much it reminds me you know you can compare the two very similar in that way that's what i was thinking when i was watching i was like this is like jaws in space it it really is honestly yeah and i'm sure that was like kind of that had to be the pitch because i mean jaws came out what four years before this yeah yeah so like uh it it just it just feels like and yeah they don't show it that often like what the xenomorph is in like four scenes maybe yeah i mean probably more than that but yeah it's it's not you don't see a lot going back to this i was like wow you really don't see it like in full view as much as like in aliens they show like the queens didn't morph way more but, but again because technical you know i'm sure it got better mm-hmm. you know even in five years yeah and i i feel like that works for this movie because i mean the, it plays off of like it's all about uncertainty and fear of the unknown and it like does if they showed it constantly it would take the scare away you know and certainly like i mean that's kind of a that's that's, when a lot of horror movies they blow it maybe weird expression but they blow their load way too early and they show the thing and you're like oh now i'm not scared of it anymore yeah because i've seen it and the same with jaws they don't show the shark until what it's all about yeah it's all about the anticipation the build-up and then once you finally like oh like the mis keeping the mystery of it is so key for horror mm. i find like we see it once when it comes out of john hurt's chest and it's so small and then right. it runs away and, and you're so, like where did it go because the ship is so big yeah like, where's it gonna go and so you still have that idea of it though like oh but it's small like what what could oh, you know they can fight that can't they but then you know when he uh harry dean stan discovers like the skin and you're like oh 
this thing just got bigger, didn't oh, it? Oh, yeah, for sure. <laughs> uh, and it, it, yeah, and also the costume for the Xenomorph looks great. It yeah. Was, uh, it, yeah, the, the Xenomorph design is iconic again with the whole thing with like the jaws coming out of the, you mm-hmm. know, like the second pair of jaws, like the, like the retractable mm-hmm. things. Uh, Which I didn't know about until I saw Prometheus because I, I didn't know anything about the Xenomorph. But then right. at the end scene where it comes out of the, the one guy and it's like, it almost seems like his. It, I don't know. It was just creepy because it like it comes out and then the entire skull like pushes back and it, it's right. just it's such it's so creepy because it's it like is. what would I? There's so many things I don't know about this thing. It's like it's unlike anything I've ever seen before. Certainly, yeah. Its design is so special and unique, and uh, yeah, I mean, and it's growing fast. That's a good thing too. This time, the timing of this movie is really yeah, good. Yeah, yeah. It's like it is growing at rapid pace. If it's already molting, it's only going to continue to grow. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and it's like, how big is it going to be? Like, what, what can it do? We just don't know. And I, I just, I love that about this movie. I can't praise that enough. Yeah. It's, uh, and then, yeah, because then you start thinking back, like, wait, there's a whole field of these back on that ship. And you just know, like, the, what that means for, like, if, if this were to ex- expand into a bigger problem. Um, and obviously they do, you know, you get to explore that uh, in f- future movies. Um, but and yeah, it really sets up like, wow, this could be, you know, mm-hmm. you can do so much problem, with yeah. the story, but also how much of a problem it could be. Yeah, yeah. we'll talk about that in uh, in just a second. Um, I want to talk a little bit about um, the ending. Uh, you know, it, it's revealed that, you know, Ash was the robot. Afterwards, they decide they have to blow up the ship. So they're getting everything ready and then they have to corner the Xenomorph. Um, and it just, it's, so it's Parker lambert and um uh ripley they all um go to try and get the xenomorph cornered uh in the ship and to try and kill it and it's like it like it just keeps it it, i don't know how to describe it it's like it's so energy inducing i mean it's not like you it's know, not like action adrenaline inducing but it's right. like oh my god what's gonna happen you don't know like, you're on edge because you're like it feels like there's a time crunch even though this is and this is before she start like sets the self-destruct but they talk about that and so even before that you're already on edge like okay there's a time limit like we gotta go oh yeah and this really gets into the kind of feeling of survival because you know they have to use their um you know their own sense uh of survival and using their skills as best they can to fight back up against, you know, the, the big, the big predator. And it just like, that's a different movie. Yes. Thank you. (laughs) (laughs) Well, alien versus predator. (laughs) Um, and, um, and it's constantly, you just don't know where it is. And I like that last scene where, um, it gets Parker and then, you know, it kills him. And it just, the last thing you see is it coming out. And then we just hear, uh, from Ripley's from point Ripley's of view, yeah. walkie-talkie of Lambert screaming is just like, oh my god! Like I, I don't know what I would do if I was in this situation. Right? Like, I literally don't. It's like, and she's and there's great shots of them, her running around like the Raptors, and it's like it's so dark. The whole movie's dark, and it's, it's yeah, it's a dark film, yeah, yeah. And I, I, I love that. I think it just adds. It to adds it. to the creepy element of it, yeah. And so yeah, this moment of like she hears them and then she's going towards them because during this whole part she could have been with them but she's rescuing the cat which is obviously like a famous thing that she did was to go back for the cat mm-hmm. um but yeah then when she goes and finds their bodies and there's like the blood dripping mm-hmm. like it's the one shot of that and uh yeah so she, so, so she's the last one which the, is so bold of them to do for this film to like everyone's dead except ripley like mm-hmm. that's just so cool and so ahead of its time to do something like that i like you kind of even think like is she even gonna make it out right you don't really know and 
when she gets like you know she decides to self-destruct and um one thing i do love is kind of backing up a little bit is the her kind of relationship antagonistic relationship with mother the yeah, the yeah. intelligent being like she has had nothing but like you know problems with her and like trying to figure out if they can kill the alien and mother doesn't help and then um that's one theme that i really like about this movie is that it um it's more so about you know, you know survival and fear of the unknown but having to rely on yourself like yeah. self-reliance how important that is in situations like this certainly um it no one else is gonna you can only defend for yourself yeah and, it's like i really love the scene of um when she's yelling at parker you know and mm-hmm. she like takes a stand because she knows like i have to act now yeah and so i love that scene when she yells at him and yeah it, it's it's great yeah for sure uh and you know she goes to the self-destruct but it, did she tried to put it back was that the yeah thing? so she's going towards the the escape pod or whatever it is or like the the ship and um she runs into the xenomorph and realizes oh crap i can't you know i can't go that way and so i think she thought oh i'm not gonna have enough time now and that's mm. why she like panicked and tried but then she couldn't so then she knew like oh i just gotta go i just gotta yeah. do it you know i i feel like that's one thing that i would do like in a situation i i feel like i would just be so scared to be like no we gotta put it back like no it would just be like and then the, like the countdown it's one of those movie moments where you feel like she's gonna make it like at the last second but she yeah. doesn't it just defies your expectations now she's got to go like run to the escape pod and you don't know if she's gonna make it or not yeah and because t- yeah you go into this movie you know if you're completely blind you you already think well even as soon as the aliens on there you know more than one of them is going to survive usually that's how it is in horror movies right but no when it's down to just one you're like oh shoot this movie might go the dark route and just kill her too and just be like well sorry that's how life goes sometimes and so you do feel this sense of like she she's you know just as uh you know volatile that's not the right word vulnerable as um (laughs) as anyone else words are tough words are tough. I, i know it um but she makes it, and there's that great scene, you know, where she gets on the escape pod that looks like the Millennium Falcon, and she zips off, and it's like the countdown, you know, from 20 seconds as she's being lowered, and it's like, oh my god, is she gonna get out of the way soon enough? And then she zooms by, and then the explosion happens, and it's just like, wow. Yes, and she has this really great expression of just like complete kind of defeat. I mean, she made it out, but like, but she lost everyone, everyone and the ship, and the ship, yeah. So it's like, how is she gonna get back? Right, and it's. But then, like, another big twist and the Xenomorph is still on the ship, which yeah. it kind of is one of those things where it's like, I, I feel like it's you It's that trope of, like, a horror movie, like, even, you know, the scream parodies of, like, oh, what, back for one last scare, and then you have to kill it again or whatever. And yeah. it's kind of like that. But at the same time, it, it does feel more satisfying that she gets to, like, fry it in the blaster and the iconic, you know, that we would see referenced again and again of uh, pushing out the airlock yeah. you know, that we would see. Uh, yeah. I love that. Uh, what's that song she sings to herself? You are my lonely stars or lucky yeah, star song. or something like that. I don't know the actual name of the song, but yeah, like she, you can tell that this is just this moment of like, she thought she was fine, mm-hmm. but now again, she's just back to panic mode. And yeah, that's something I noted is that like in her performance, she does like sheer terror and panic so well. I think like true panic and like flusterness is something that's so hard to emote and act you know lambert tried it yeah like i don't think she's as successful no but sigourney i think especially on that at that point like when she backs into the corner near where like the suit is and she eventually puts on the suit just like the sheer level of panic Mm -hmm. that sigourney weaver's you know portraying is incredible which i love about her character is that she's 
able to obviously rely on herself. She has a great set of skills and she's going to get shit done, but she's so scared. Like yeah. she's horrified. Like I think. And that's would... what's so great about the character mm-hmm. is like, she's not just like a, a Mary Sue. I just kick ass type character. She's like a, a, an, a, you can relate to her, but she's still so strong and independent. And that's why she's such a great character. Uh huh. And I, well, this is one of my favorite movie endings. Cause it, it seems like it almost ends, but again, there's so many questions cause she does that monologue about how everyone's dead and yeah the famous monologue of like the last mm, crew last crew member the nostromo signing off uh-huh, yeah. it's signing off and then it zooms in and then it cuts to her in the hibernation bed and it zooms in and then a unit production manager to whoever yeah, the yeah, fuck, yeah, yeah. And it's like, oh my god that's really how it ends that's crazy like but it's such a good ending because huh. if you ignore yeah the rest of the series it's such like a foreboding ending like she's all alone now like we you know she won but it's still like yeah what's gonna happen now uh-huh. there's still all those aliens back on the planet like it, so many questions and we which then i want to ask this is one of my last questions is is this movie for you as someone who's seen aliens i mean I've seen Prometheus and Alien Covenant, but I've seen the others. Do you, is Alien by itself better as a singular movie, or can it, or does Aliens or something improve upon it, or should it just be its own thing? Um, I think yeah, I I, I definitely do like Aliens a lot, and I think it does add a new. You know, it kept it very fresh in that like, um, it expands the team. It definitely makes it more action. It, it you get to see the xenomorphs more you get to see ripley being awesome again it gave us even more great acting from her and which was really cool that she got nominated for aliens because uh, you don't see sci-fi getting nominated a lot in those kind of you know categories um and so i think the one two punch of it i think is perfect um even alien alone is perfect but aliens i think complements it so well now i've never seen alien 3 or alien resurrection but the general thing i've heard is that you know alien 3 was the production company took over david fincher didn't get to make the movie he wanted and alien resurrection just seems like it's i don't even know like i just have no desire Mm -hmm. to watch it like alien 3 i'll probably watch someday just to watch it but alien resurrection i just don't care about and then of course you have the alien versus predator movies don't even count for me those are just literally like popcorn movies that like whatever who cares and then i do like prometheus and alien covenant and i know there's fans out there that wish these movies weren't happening but i assume we'll probably get one more movie to finish out like a trilogy the david story um and i like them and i think you know i could do without them i could do with them you know it's very middle of the road but yeah alien and aliens together i think are just an incredible duo of movies yeah i still need to like i said i still need to see aliens and but alien to me is just something that it it's such a good book ending well like i mean it it ends but it seems like it's ambiguous but it also it works for that story because we don't know where she's gonna go we don't know what's like what's next for her we don't even know if she's gonna make it back to earth there's so much that we don't know but there's a lot about this movie that we don't know that like it but it adds to it it's not yeah, like the, we the, don't know that it because it's lazy writing like, no it's amb- it's you know meaningful ambiguity mm-hmm. because sometimes ambiguity where it doesn't feel natural is frustrating but in this movie it makes it better it makes the thrills the horror the uncertainty all of it it's just over like it, it's what makes this movie special yeah for sure and it's obviously it's one of ridley's uh ridley scott's best um and i want to see i want to see the others because like prometheus for me and alien covenant while both good movies it's not one 
they're not necessarily ones that I like. A- Alien is not something where like I want to know the backstory of where the xenomorphs came from or right. what happened before. And so yeah, the, those movies are kind of since those that's what they're doing. It, it in some regard maybe it is kind of ruining the ruining the mystery of Alien. And I definitely can see that point of view and understand that because mm. I like that if you see the first ship, like the first time you see the ship when they land. It's like, oh, where did that come from? Yeah, where like, did these things what come is that? from? But it's like, it's interesting because they, it's almost like they just appear. They're just here, and this is the situation. Um, and like I said, I like those movies. They do some good things, but I just kind of like that. Uh, I like the um, what I don't know, you know. Right? Yeah. It's it's sometimes better to leave people in the dark rather than do a like a lame explanation. Like the, the example that's always cited is like they needed to explain the forest in the prequel trilogies with the midichlorians, and everyone hates that that you had to like give it something like tangible like that. Mm-hmm. It makes it more fun that the forest is just kind of like this otherworldly thing that we don't really understand by by dumbing it down for the audience and explaining it like that. It does kind of take the punch out of what the originals did you know yeah and i think you can do the you compare it the same way to alien and what the newer ones are doing and yeah I, I i think you know in that regard i can see why people wouldn't be fans of them yeah all right last question why should people watch alien what's the one thing that you should say that if people are fans of movies they should watch alien because of this if you like sci-fi this is I would say maybe the second or third most important movie for sci-fi along with like 2001 and Star Wars. Those movies impacted sci-fi just an unbelievable amount. So many films that came after Alien took what Alien did and, you know, either, you know, did their own thing with it, maybe even improved upon it, you know, maybe did it way worse. But regardless, the influence this movie had is is just insurmountable like it's so important to and beyond sci-fi just good character writing ripley remains as one of the best characters because she shows how strong women can be and she influenced so many you know great like uh characters like sarah connor and you know other powerful sci-fi women that like kick butt and you know show they can stand up to men just the same and i love that about you know this movie and what it did for the you know the characters in that regard is it also one like well, here, I'll say what I um I would say that what I take away personally from this movie, a lot of it is two things. One I already said is that the mixture of the passion and the care that was took to the technical aspect and the story perspective came together really, really well and made something that is super memorable. Um, but the thing that I personally think that this movie does so well and is a great example uh, of, uh, genre, of genre bending, it's not super clear i mean i thought it was a pretty easy answer if this is a horror movie but like it's pretty clear that it's like there's sci-fi and there's horror and it's not and a little bit of thriller and it's not super textbook one or textbook the other it um it can it can reflect like real life things in our society like sci-fi but it can also scare the shit out of you like horror yeah and then there's also that combine the two is yeah and then it's also like kind of like the chase and the mystery of finding someone like the thriller and it's it takes elements the best elements of like of those and puts them together so well that's one thing about movies and cinema just in general that i love is when people can take something that we've kind of known you know the alien movies were around for so long yeah like at this point we they had gotten very stale with what they were doing with alien movies Mm. and it like it, it takes you know tropes that we kind of already recognize and bends them and brings us something new I'm always looking for something that's new and creative and holds my attention. Um, And I think that Alien 
is definitely one uh, that does that. Uh, and I, I definitely want to rewatch it. I can go back and like, oh yeah, certainly, for, and find something new. Uh, and it also it, it feels so still feels kind of new. Like honestly, like it, I mean, it, it still feels fresh. I guess is a better way of saying it. Yeah, being able to come back to it this time after I would say probably a couple of years of not having seen it, it it really did like open my eyes to a bunch of different like oh I forgot this scene oh I forgot this actor isn't it you know like it was it's a definitely a movie that stays fresh and I think will for you know for a long time. Mm-hmm. for sure and obviously iconic characters characters is a thing that i always like to come back to um makes it like relatable and yeah there's like some there's some issues and like some things or some plot holes like within it but i i at the end of the day it's just still remains to be one of the most influential movies of all time and one of the best movies of all time couldn't agree more all right that is it for the season two premiere of frankly i love movies as always Big thank you to Matt for coming on. He loves to come on. Like you said, you really just can't get rid of him. I just want to give a big shout-out to Sullivan Harris, who's the producer of this show and also did the brand-new cover art that you see on iTunes and Spotify and wherever you get your podcasts. Please make sure to go follow us on Twitter at frankly underscore podcast. You can like the show on Facebook, uh, Frankly I Love Movies. And you can follow me on Instagram at joshvaljosh21 if you want cool updates on what's going on with me. And we are back to the bi-weekly schedule, so two weeks from now we will have a new episode up and ready for you guys to listen to. I don't want to let you guys know what it is just yet. I want it to be a surprise, as always. But we are back, and I'm so happy to be back. I miss doing this, and thank you all for listening. Tune in in two weeks for another special episode with a special guest. Until then, I'm Josh Wall, and frankly... I love movies.